Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church. If I've not had a chance to meet you, my name is Samuel, and Beck and I just have the absolute honor of serving here at Life West, and welcome. It's great to see you this morning. Let me, let me just ask, how many, how many coffee drinkers do we have? Raise your hand if you drink some coffee. All right, all right. That's kind of what I expected. First service, everybody lifted their hands. It's like they fake being morning people. Like they just drink the coffee. Like I see what that is. Okay, so how many of you, let's do that, let me just ask that one more time. Coffee drinkers, coffees, lattes, those things. Okay, yeah. Oh, if I had lattes and stuff, more hands went up. All right. Okay. See, coffees are great. And actually, no, I, I, I don't like coffee. Um, really espresso, but not espresso like, like lattes. Like I like lattes, like a good latte. If it's not good, I don't want it, but I like them. Like, it's, it's great. I geek out over it, and, like, I weigh my beans, and, and like, I get, I, I, I love it. But, oh, yeah, definitely, I, I snob, coffee snob, yes, yes, right here. But there's one thing I don't like about it, and that's caffeine. Like, I don't want it. I don't need it, like, at all. I don't, I don't need it, but, it, but it's there, but I don't like it. But there's decaf, but it's not good. And you're like, well, I don't want to drink it if it's not good, but I don't really want the de- I don't need the caffeine, but it's there. But if you regularly do something and then you stop, like if you regularly drink coffees or lattes and you stop that caffeine, what happens? It's not good. It's like, it's, it's, it's the crash. It, it catches up with you. Because here's the thing. We establish a normal. And our body gets used to that caffeine and that amount at that time of day. Some of you, it's just like, yep, here it is. It's just it's that time. It's, it's here we go. It's that time of morning or noon or afternoon. Or you're like, whatever time is that time. And that just works. Whatever it is. But our body gets used to getting that caffeine. And when we don't give it that caffeine, it gets mad. <laughs> it's like, God, give me my caffeine. It wants it. It's like, where is this? What is going on? But here's the thing. It establishes a new normal. Because we give it that caffeine every single day. And whether it's healthy or not, our bodies get used to it. And in the series we're, we're in right now is a new normal. It's flipping the script on society. And let me just say, when it comes to health, if we're having caffeine and I'm drinking that, and I know it's, it's okay, I don't want to drink it too much, and I'll be like, I don't want it at the same time every day, and then I get on it for a while. It's like, okay, I just need to stop just so I don't, because I don't want to be addicted. I don't want my body to crave anything. I don't like that at all, but I like the lattes. I'm like, those are really good. But what I find is this, is I can get so used to that normal, and I know that in the natural, it's not good for me, but let me just say this. There are some normals spiritually that aren't good for us. And so it's really what this series has been about, is looking at some of these things that we've just, we're, we're accustomed to and we're like, wait, if this isn't good, do I really want this? And flip it and be like, I need a new normal and I can do it. Flip it, change it. And really the verse that we've been looking at through this series is Romans 12, verse two. And it says this, it says, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world. It could literally say, don't get used to the world's normal. Same thing right there. Don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, his pleasing, and perfect will. We want a new 
normal. So God, what is it that you have for us? Are there some things that we need to change? In week, week one, we looked at owner versus steward. The normal in the world is it's yours, what you have is yours, do what you want with it, how you want, when you want. That's normal. God says, you're a steward. It's all his. And that we're stewards and that we ask and say, God, how can we use what you've given us? How can we use it to make a difference? And what can we do with it? And we, that first week we passed out some envelopes with money in it. We said, pray about it. Put it in your wallet. Put the money in your wallet. Pray and ask God to lead you who and how to give this. And then send some videos into us and let us know what happened and how God used you. And some of those videos have started to come in to Hello at Life West Church. Let me just say, like the Sunday that we handed out that money, I was like so excited to go check my email. I don't check email. I don't get excited to check email. I haven't, that hasn't been excited for a, exciting for a very long time. But I was like, no, this is going to be great. And no, not, nobody sent an email like the first day. I was like, oh. But we started to get a few of these stories, and I'll be so excited to begin to share those. But it's different. It's not normal. If you look at everything you have as God's, and you're praying about how to use it and how you can be used, that's not going to be normal. Week two, we looked at children. And that really, Jesus just, just totally flipped this one. That children were coming to Jesus, and, and his disciples saw them and caught it and was like, hey, parents, no more, no more kids coming to Jesus. And Jesus was like, no, don't stop the kids from coming to me. They're important. And we see over and over God's heart for children. He's like, don't you look down on them. Don't you? He's like, if, if you cause a child to stumble, he's like, it'd be better that you would have a millstone tied around your neck and you'd be thrown in the sea. He's like, you do not mess with the children. Children have God's heart. And then we need to realize that and value and really take the time to train and raise them up the way that they're supposed to be and see those times. It's, it's, it's different. And then last week, last week, we read about what it says in the Bible. And we read Matthew 23, 11 was one of the verses. And it says that the greatest among you must be a servant. Jesus, in Matthew 20, 28, said, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The example that Jesus gave was, I'm here as a servant. And we really looked at last week and said, we're not just called to serve, but we're called to be servants. Because serving is something you do, a servant is something that you are. It's just, this is what I am, this is what I do. So years ago, I was training for a marathon. And I was like, we're going to do this. And I've, I, I'd ran the distances before, but never in this type of a race format. And I was excited to do it. And Becca had done some. And she's like, come on, do this. So we're training for it. And we'd gotten up into like the 25 mile, mile runs. And I did something and I, and I just injured myself. And so I couldn't run for a while. And I would like, I'd like take a week off and then try. And I'm like, well, that didn't work. And so then I'd take two weeks off and then try. And that didn't work. And I'm like, okay, take six months off. And, that, and I was just doubling it every time, trying to get this. Well, I got injured. It was not working. Well, about a year ago, I was finally able to start running again. And so I start running. And so I was like, I'm just going to take it easy. All right? I'm, I'm just going to take it easy. So I would run like a mile. And I'm like, I'm running. I go, babe. I'm running again. I'm a runner. And she looks at me, she goes, no, you're not. And I'm like, I'm running. That's what a runner is. And she's like, if you're running a mile, that's, that's not running. And I'm like, I'm, but I'm running. And she's like, no, no, not yet. You're not a runner yet. And she hasn't fully defined exactly when I'm going to be a runner again. I don't know yet. 
5Ks. I'm doing 5Ks now, so now am I a runner? Can I say, okay, I am, there we go. You guys witnessed, that was it. We just figured it out. But there's a difference between somebody who serves, that's something that they do, and a servant because that's what they are. That's just, that's just what we are. And we are to be servants, which means that we serve. That's, that's just what we do. It's just something that's in us. It's just what we do. And that's really what we've been looking at over and over. And, and last week, we looked at some of the mindsets of a servant. If we are servants, then what should our mindsets be? And one of them that we said was this is, we over me, that we're going to build the kingdom of God. And we come together and we do that. And then we looked at, we looked at character over comfort. And today we're going to keep going. And today we're going to talk about God's purpose. God's purpose over possessions, positions, popularity, pleasure, anything else that starts with a P. But really, we're looking at God's purpose. Choosing God's purpose. Serving, we serve because that's what we are, but choosing God's purpose. Because here's the deal. It's going to cost us. It's going to cost us. And we said God's purpose over these things because serving God does cost. It really does. I like what Jesus said. John 15, verse 18. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belonged to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, and that is why the world hates you. This flies in a little bit of contradiction to some of our thoughts, which is, if I did everything right, nobody would dislike what I'm doing. And you people pleasers, you, you, you want to so bad, you're like, well, if I just do this right. But the truth is this, if we do everything God's way, everybody is not going to love you, even if you did everything, everything right. It doesn't work that way. There's a cost to it. You might lose friends because what they're doing, what they're watching, the place they're going, you're like, I don't want to be there. I know what's going to be happening there. I shouldn't be there. I don't want to go. You might lose friends. You might lose a boyfriend or a girlfriend because what they're asking and they're wanting to do, you're like, I'm not there. I'm saving myself. I'm not, I'm not into that. You might lose you might lose a fiance. I remember years ago, a couple came in for some premarital counseling. We're going to do some stuff. They wanted to get married, and they're like, let's do this. I said, okay, come on in. And, and I just met them. I was like, well, tell me about yourselves and what's going on. And they began to talk to me. And one of them, he's like, he, he, he was really on fire for God and really excited for what God was calling him to do. And, I'm, and, and then she starts talking, and she's like, I don't want anything to do with God, church, religion, any of those gods, any of that stuff. And I sat there, and I was just like, I mean, I didn't actually do that, I don't think, you know? But, but, but you're sitting there like, what are you doing here together? Like, what, what are you doing? So we began to talk. And sure enough, after, after that time together, about two days later, he called me up and he's like, we called the wedding off. She's, he's like, I thought that I would be able to win her to Christ, and he kind of talked about this. But let me just tell you, it might cost you as you stand up for the things of God. It might cost you a grade because you're not just willing to please what your professor or teacher, you're not willing to just please them and, and to write papers and to say things. You're like, I don't, 
I don't agree with it. You know, the Bible says, woe to you who call good evil and evil good. And you're like, I won't do it. It might cost you a grade. It can cost. It might cost you your job. Remember, I got a call from my brother-in-law. This was many years ago now, but he was working over in Wisconsin. He says, hey, you know of any jobs in Michigan? And I'm like, well, yeah, maybe. What are, what are, what are you thinking? What's going on? And he's like, I'm, we're moving to Michigan. I'm, I'm quitting. And I'm like, you love your job. You worked so hard for it. He had interned there and gotten in at the place that he was at. He was loving it. And he goes, well, they're expecting me to take some of our clients to gentlemen's clubs. And he's like, I won't do it. Which, by the way, gentlemen's club is like, what? That's, that's not what that is at all. It's the opposite of that, which is why they name it that, so you think. But it's, anyways, but that's what they want. He's like, I'm not going to do it. He's like, I'm not going to do it. It might cost you. But we're choosing God's purpose over these things. We choose God's purpose. John 10, 10 says this, as the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And let me just say this, if we're seeking after what God has for us, we get life and life to the full. But there is that thing where we say, well, is it going to cost? And the answer is absolutely. It might cost. It might cost in the short run, but in the long run, it's so much better. It's so much, so much better. So we choose God's purpose. Because remember this. God is the creator. He created you and me. Satan is not. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And he is not a creator. He's never created every, anything. Everything that he has ever put out there is a counterfeit. It's a counterfeit. And we don't, don't fall for it. Don't fall for the counterfeit. It's not as good. A counterfeit looks good, but then when you need it, it doesn't work. That's what it is. It's shiny, it looks okay, it fakes the real thing, but it's not the same. It's not as good. And that's what sin is. Sin is so much, the devil, what he throws at us is the counterfeit. It's the counterfeit, it's not the real thing. It's, it's, the, it's the Rolex, it's not a Rolex, it's a Stolex. It's like it's not as nice, it doesn't keep time, it's, it, just, it just doesn't do it. It's not the same thing, so don't fall that. So here's what we're going to do. We want to choose God's purpose over possessions. Have stuff, but don't let stuff have you. We talked a bit about this. Have stuff, but don't let stuff have you. Own it, but use it. It's a tool. Use it to build the kingdom of God. And be careful when, when, when you use debt to get stuff. I was talking with a couple. This was years ago. You don't know them. They don't even go here. Don't try to figure out who does. You don't know them. But this couple comes in for some marriage counseling. So we sit down and they begin to talk. And one of the things that comes out in this is he works like crazy. And, and he looks at her and he's like, well, you know I have to work. And she's like, you don't need to be taking all this overtime. And he's like, well, yes, I do. Well, what he did is this, is, is he bought this truck. But when he figured how he was going to pay for this really, really, and I saw it, this really nice truck, he part of how he was going to pay for that was the overtime he was going to take. So he had to take the overtime. So he was working 60 and 70 hours a week, just, just perpetually, just taking all the overtime. But that's how he was paying for the truck. And I'm like, you're, you're working so you can drive a nice truck to work and then back and back to work. I'm, have stuff, 
But don't let stuff have you. And as you're thinking about what you're getting, and, and it's so easy to jump in and to make a decision and to sign a piece of paper, and then that's years of your life to repay it and to make it work and to, and to dig back out of some of these messes. Be careful. Not all debt is bad, but be careful that you have stuff and that stuff does not have you. Because greed is not a amount, there's not a dollar amount that says, oh, well, now you're greedy. You can be greedy with a dollar, or you can be greedy with a million dollars, or $10 million, or you can be generous with a dollar. You can be generous with whatever and all of it. Greed has nothing to do with a dollar amount. Choose to see things. Choose, that's what servants do. We, we have them, they do not have us. I love I love this. I heard about what happened to John Wesley. John Wesley was an evangelist, a, a pastor in the 1700s. And a man rode up to him one day and said, Sir, something horrible has happened. And he says, What? He says, Your house burned to the ground. And John Wesley stopped, thought about it for a minute, and then he said this, No, the Lord's house has burned to the ground, and that means one less responsibility for me. He had a perspective about things. It's all God's. It's all God's. He had a perspective about things. The other thing that we want to do is we want to do this. We want to choose God's purpose over position. Purpose over position. We choose God's purpose. And let me just say, there's times that you won't get the promotion. You won't get the thing at where, well, the Bible thumper or this person, and the, or, or you're like, you know what? I, I won't, you tell, you tell your boss, I won't, I won't sign those forms. That, I, mean, I had a guy, actually, he, he came to me, this is a conversation that we had. He's like, I'm up for a promotion at work. He's like, but they told me that if I'm going to get this promotion, that, I, that it was a, a shipping and receiving. And the company apparently, intentionally and repeatedly, they, they, they messed the numbers up. And he's like, I was told, you're up for the position, we'd love for you to do it. You either take it knowing you're going to do this or we'll find somebody else who will. He's like, what do I do? And I'm like, you don't take it. I'm like, that one's easy. You, you just don't. And he lists off a bunch of the things that he's like, well, I'll be able to do this and this will happen and this will happen. I'm like, what would happen to your witness? I said, do other people at, do other people at, at your work, do they know about this? And he's like, oh yeah, everybody knows it. He's like, but I was, I was never the one that had to do it. I'm like, have you witnessed to those people there? Have you invited some of them to church? He's like, oh yeah. I'm like, what is, what is that going to do to your credibility if you do that? And he's like, oh. And he came back later and said, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. But we choose God's purpose over position. We choose it. We say, this is what we're going to do. God, what do you have for me? And we seek after that. Since I was a little kid, I wanted to be a youth pastor. That, that, that's what I, I knew it. I wanted to be a youth pastor. I thought my youth pastor was amazing. Some of the things he did for me, I'm like, I want to do that. I went to college to be a youth pastor. That was it. And then when I got out of college, I got an internship at Res Life. It was my dad's church at Res Life in Granville. So I got an internship there. And they're like, come on in here and be a part. And I'm there. And they're like, okay, we want you to teach third and fourth graders. And I'm like, this isn't the high school. And they're like, yep, they, yep, this is what we want you to do. And I'm like, okay. Okay, and, 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 and Pastor Scott's like, hey, here's the deal. If you can teach third and fourth graders, if you can keep their attention, he's like, you can keep anybody's attention. He's like, he's like adults are easy. They laugh at everything. He's like, whatever. He's like, just, just, just do that one. And I'm like, okay, okay. And, and sure enough, I mean, you get in there. You don't keep 
third and fourth graders, you don't keep their attention. They turn around, they spin around. Their parents aren't sitting next to them. There's like 50 of them out there and they're all turning and spinning and shoes are throwing and they're laying down. Yeah, you got to work to keep their attention. You've got sound effects and things that blow up and tennis balls on bungee cords that you're throwing and you hope you pull it back before it smacks them in the face, but it does. You know, you, you're doing everything you can. You're figuring this out. So I did that for a while, and, like, and they said, okay, now we want you to do some of this, and there's some fifth and sixth grade stuff, and I'm like, okay, a little bit older kids, and this is great, we're having fun with that, and then they're like, okay, now seventh and eighth, and I was getting to work with these students. I remember finally, they're like, hey, we want you to do the high school. We really see this as the next step for you, and I'm like, yes, and Beck and I just dive into the high school, absolutely love it, and then one day, my boss comes to me, Joe, and he's like, hey, let's go out to lunch. And I'm like, okay. So we go out to lunch, and he goes, um, we would like you to, do, to become one of the teaching pastors, and, and you'll, be, you'll be teaching on Wednesday nights. And I'm like, adults? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, no. No, 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 no. I don't, don't want to teach adults. I'm like, I don't, I don't want to do that. And he's like, no, no, we, we really think this would be good. And I'm like, I, you, got, you got the wrong guy. Like, I, I know exactly where I want to be. I'm in that position. This is it. I go back to doing that, and it wasn't much later that my boss Joe walks through again, and he comes up, and he's like, hey, let's do lunch. So we got to lunch again, and he's like, we really, we really want you to do this. We think this would be the right thing for you. And I'm just like, no, I don't, I don't want to, adults are boring, like not a chance, no. No, I love this, this is great. And, and I remember I went home after that, and I talked to Becca about it, and when I when I repeated that conversation to Becca, I remember just, just this feeling of, oops, like, no. Like, we're not here, we're not here to build our kingdom. And if they want us, if, 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 if they asked us to clean toilets because that would bring people to Jesus, we would do it. Like, yes, we're in. And this is just teaching adults. There's toilets and there's adults. Like, they're higher. Like, this is, it's okay. <laughs> And we're like, okay, we can do this. And so I remember I went back to him and I said, hey, if that's what you think, we're in. We, we, we are in 100%. If that's where you think we can build the kingdom of God, we're in. So we left the thing that I thought, that I'd chased after, the position that I wanted, that I was finally in. It was amazing, loving it. And so we went, and we're like, okay, we're going to be teaching pastors. This is what we're going to do. And it wasn't maybe three weeks later that we'd been, the transition had been made and we'd moved out, we'd been teaching on Wednesday night and we're teaching with adults and I remember Becca and I were on our way home and she just looks over and she's like, youth was great, but I am never going back. This is awesome. And I'm like, I know. She's like, she's like I talked to people and they came up to me and they just wanted to say, how great it was. They didn't have any problems with their kids. They weren't like upset about something that we did or didn't do. Or she's like, this is awesome. She's like, this is great. And I'm like, I know, I love it. I'm like, we are never going back to youth again. Like, this is, this is great. It wasn't what we had in mind at all. But man, we absolutely loved it. And that was it. The position that I thought I wanted and the thing that I had worked for and had gone to college for, this is what I want to do. And then we step out of it. It was like, oh, this is great. But understand this. The Bible says that the steps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord. Sometimes we don't understand. 
Because we see this stuff going this way and we're like, well, but, I want, but what I want over here, I think the reason why God doesn't show us destinations is because we draw straight lines and say that's how it is and God's like, no, I need to move you over here to get this thing taken out and I'm going to move you over here and this is going to build this, which you're going to need later and I'm going to move you back over here. Now that's what it was for us. It was several years later that I got a, was sitting down again with my boss, a different boss at that time. We're talking about what was next and, and what God had for us and we began to talk with a pastor who was at a different church. He's like, what is it that you guys want to do? And I'm like, really, well, honestly, we want to serve people. And I'm like, and honestly, I, I said, we're really interested in coming to your church. And he's like, well, why? I said, we really want to learn. I love what I, what I hear about the way that your teams work together, that, that there's conflict and they, they argue and yet you come out and you're excited and you're on the same page. Like, this is the vision we're going through. We worked it out, but we're coming together. We're ready to do this. I said, I want to learn how to do that. I said, honestly, we, we would absolutely love that. And I said the same thing to him that I said to, had said to Becca years before, which is, we want to build the kingdom of God. We want to learn. I said, we'll clean toilets. We'll do anything, but we want to learn. Remember, he looked at me and he goes, are you serious about that toilet thing? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, we're, we are in. We, we just want to learn. Long story short, he goes, if you're serious about that toilet thing, we've got a position for you. And I said, as long as I can learn, if I can be a fly on the wall and sit in some meetings and take some people out to lunch and just learn your culture and how you guys work, I said, I'm in. So that's what we did is we left Granville, we left that church there where we were preaching and, and, and we had loved that, but this is where God was leading us and we prayed and we felt about it. So we went and we went and did toilets. And as most people look at it, as you're climbing the ladder, the the rung above, the next rung up of anything is not toilets. That's usually the bottom. It's like you can start. Like anybody want it? You'll, you'll clean them? Great. You're in. Like, please. But that's what we went and did. But I look back. We went and we did that and we served there and I learned. And then we ended up, we moved to another thing that God had led us to do. And we were bouncing around. And, and then I remember I was sitting in a tree for a reason. I was hunting. I don't I was just sitting in this tree. But I was up in this tree and I'm praying. And I'm like, God. What is it you have for us? I said, all I want to do is get behind vision and serve. And God spoke to my heart. He's like, well, what do you think lead pastors do? I'm like, I don't know. And he says, I give them vision and they serve people. And I was like, well, that I can do. That I can do. I left the woods, went back and talked to Becca and what God really ended up putting in our hearts when it came to vision was equip people to be and do all that God has for them. They need Jesus, but then they're not just walking around waiting to die and go to heaven. He's like, I've got a plan and a purpose, and I want to use them to make a difference right now. And we're like, that's what we're going to do. And we're just going to serve people. We're going to do it. There's not a junior Holy Spirit. It's every age. You didn't age out or age in. It's every, let's do this. And we're like, yes. But I look back at the steps that God took us through to get us where we are. And I'm like, God, thank you. The, the things that we needed, the relationships, the help that we needed was in those. But if we're only looking for position, we're going to miss it because, we're like, well, that's not the next step up for me. Choose God's purpose. And it's so much better when we fulfill the purpose that he has for us. And it might not make sense to everybody else, but that's why you need other godly people around you that can say, confirm it they can confirm it and say, yep, we believe and we're praying with you and we believe this is the best and we understand it doesn't make the most sense to do this financially. It doesn't make the most sense in this aspect. It doesn't make the most sense career path-wise, but we see this is where God's calling you and they help you to make those decisions and you step out into what God has for you. 
And it is so much better when we choose God's purpose over position. The next one is this, is we choose God's purpose over popularity. We choose God's purpose over popularity. When you're a Christian, there might be some circles that that helps in. That people are like, yay, and that's great. Let me just tell you, as a whole, the world is not going to celebrate you. They're not going to be happy for you. In fact, they're going to call you names. They're going to call you names. They're going to say that you're judgmental, that you're mean, that you're a bigot, intolerant, homophobic, whatever it is, because you stand and you say, well, what God's word says is true. I believe that that's best. They're going to call you all. You're like, no, I'm saving myself for marriage. This is what I'm doing. Which, by the way, when you save, do you have more or less? You save money, you have more. It's just you have more. And let me just say, you save that to sex till you get married, guess what you have? More. It's great. It's where it's supposed to be. It's great. Get married, have fun. That's where it's meant to be. That's how God designed it. You get it out of that. It's the fake. It's the imitation. It's the Rolex. It doesn't bring what it brings inside. It's not the same. It's not the same. But we stand for those things. You're not going to be popular. No matter how good you do it, hear me, people pleasers, no matter how great you do it, think about it. Jesus came was love incarnate. He was, he was Jesus. The Bible says he was full of grace and truth, perfectly mixed together. Perfect. John 1.14 says it like this, that the word became flesh and made its dwelling among us. That we've seen the glory of his one and only son who came full of grace and truth. Grace and truth. That's him. Jesus came, lived it out perfectly, loved perfectly, never wrongly offended anybody. Offended them, if, if they were offended, it was because they had good reason and he said it all right. And he said it perfect every time. And what did they do? They killed him for it. We're not going to be, we will not be, we, we're going to stand up and people are going to say things that it's not good. But here's the deal. I want what God has for me. I'm going to seek after him with all that I have. I know it's better, John 10, 10. I came to give you life and life to the fullest, which I think really brings us to the next one is this, is choose God's purpose over pleasure. Choose God's purpose over pleasure. Now I know I say that and some of you it just rubs you wrong because you are just the party. Like you are everywhere you go. You are the party. Like I love having fun. And you're like, what do you mean? God's purpose over pleasure. Like pleasure's good. That's fun. But hold on a second. I think it says in Hebrews eleven twenty four, It was by faith that Moses when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He was an Egyptian. He was not an Egyptian, excuse me. He was an Israelite. But as a baby, his mom hid him. And when Pharaoh's daughter found him floating in the river, she took him and said, I'm going to raise him as, as my own. But he knew, he knew that he was not an Egyptian. He knew he was an Israelite. So it says this, he refused to be called Pharaoh's son, uh, the son of Pharaoh's daughter, verse 25. And he chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasure of sin. Because that's what sin is. Sin's fun for a season. But it costs you more than you want to pay and keeps you longer than you want to stay. That's, that's sin over and over. That's sin. Sin, it's, it's that great China buffet that you go to that you love the food, but it doesn't love you back. 
and it just messes you up, and you're like, was it worth it? No, it wasn't. But then you find yourself there again, and you're like, oh, was it worth it? Back to the restroom, and you just live there for a while. That's what it is. It, it sucks, you're like, oh, you get in there, you're like, oh, it's so good, but then it's not. And it's good until it's not, but when it's not, it's not. That's, that's what sin is. And when we chase after pleasure, you never find it. The pursuit of pleasure is endless, always, because you get the thing, the person, the idea, the place, the job, the money, the income, whatever it is, and then all of a sudden, what's waiting? More. More. But when we seek God's purpose, it's amazing the joy that we find in it. Because true pleasure is a byproduct of fulfilling the purpose that God has for you. That's what it is. That's where it comes from. If you seek after pleasure, you'll never find it. You cannot find it when you look for it. It's like we, you hear me talk about this, but it's, it's so much like quality time. When I think about marriages and relationships, and people are like, well, we want to spend quality time together. And I'm like, ha ha. I'm like, you wanna, you, if you want quality time with somebody, just spend time with them. Because it's as you spend time together that you get those amazing moments that you can't manufacture. You could never line up. It just comes together. It's the, it's, the, it's the photograph that the bald eagle comes flying in. It's the perfect sunset that you couldn't have planned. The way that the airplane that came through and comes down and swoops, and you're like, what, what is this? And it's, it's all of it that comes together. And like, how did this even happen? It's amazing. But it's a byproduct of the time that we spend together. And we can try to put some things together, and it works, and, it, and it's fun, and it, me it has meaning. But let me tell you the most amazing the moments that I love the most that we've had, that I remember the most that Beck and I have had, have come just at random, the time that we're spending together. And when we're pursuing God's purpose, we have, that pleasure comes, we're fulfilling, we know we're doing what God's called us to do, we're making a difference in the world, we're building the kingdom of God, we're using our gifts and talents, we are loving it, and that pleasure is there. It's there, it's so much better. We don't fall for the counterfeits. And then it's this, it's service over status. It's, it's not about me. I like what it says in Philippians 2, verse 3. It says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Verse 4. It's not there, so I'll just read it. Not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. It's looking and saying, okay, God, what can I do? I, I want to be a blessing to those around me. I want to be a blessing. It's, it's, that, it's that seeking that purpose in God over these other things and having so much fun doing it. It's one of the things I love about giving through the church. 2 Corinthians 9.11 says this. It says, yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous. Talking about each and every one of us. You're enriched so that you can be generous. Then he says, and when you take your gifts to those who are in need, when we take your gifts to those who are in need, they will thank God. So two things will result from this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met, and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. The disciples, the apostles are going to take this gift. He says, you gave it to the church. We're going to deliver it. And as a result, thanksgiving will be given to God. God's name will be great. Not mine, not somebody else's, but no, his name will be great. We worship 
him. His name will be great. And when we seek after God, she says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. He says, watch what happens. And all the things that you need will be added as well. If we've got the right thing in the right place, it makes such a difference. And I know this is a whole lot to remember. As we look at the nitty gritty of, okay, if I'm going to be a servant, and I don't just want to serve, I want to be it. And there's a lot. We're talking about the mindset of a servant and trying to really just break it down to some things. But a man came to Jesus and said, okay, what's the most important of everything? What is it that I need to make sure that I'm doing? What's the most important? And Jesus answered, and his answer is found in our Bibles, Matthew 22, verse 37. And it says this, Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And a second is equally important, love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commands. He's like, it's, it's love. It's love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. The second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. When we surrender to God and he fills us with his love, it's so much easier. It changes the way that we look at people. It's his love flowing through us, his love. Love your neighbor as yourself. I was driving on the expressway several years ago and uh, cruising down 131 and there's a car on the side of the road and I didn't really think of it, especially it's, it's, it's the expressway. You don't really stop on the expressway and some, some of these cars looks like it's broken down on the side of the road. But I remember as I, as I, just before I got even with it, I looked over it and I thought, I know who that is. I looked at the car, I'm like, I think that's Brian's car. So I quick checked my mirror. I went from I'm about to fly by to I know who this is. Check my mirror, and I, and I just stop. And I pull over to the side. I'm like, if it's Brian, he probably needs some help. And I wouldn't doubt that it's Brian, because he does some funny stuff. And I'm like, uh-oh, better figure this out. So I jump out, and I run back. And it wasn't Brian. In fact, the car was empty. I'm like, oh, okay. So I get back in my car and get on the expressway, and I'm driving off. Remember as I was driving off, God really just spoke something to my heart. He's like, when you didn't know who it was, you were going to drive by without a second thought. But when it was somebody you cared about, you didn't even hesitate to stop. Here's what this verse says is, love your neighbor as yourself. When God fills us with his love, we get his heart for people. And the faceless and the nameless suddenly become sons and daughters. They become friends. They become people that God died for. And the quick, easy drive-bys are like, whoa, hold on a second. What could happen if I was to stop? I am a servant, and I serve because that's what I do. And suddenly opportunities to serve show up everywhere. They show up everywhere. Instead of, oh, do I or don't I serve? It's where do I not? Oh, wow, this is great. We have it everywhere because we have his heart in us. We get to serve because we're servants. That's just what we do. And let me say this. Ladies, this is not a call for you to pick up people from the side of the road. Leave it to us guys. We'll take care of it. Please don't go pick up a bunch of strangers. We can handle that. But we choose 
We say, God, I want your purpose over everything else. And I realize when I do that, that's where real fulfillment, that's where joy comes from. It's fulfilling the plan that you have for me. And he does. Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. We say, God, fill me with your love. So when I drive by people, when I see people, when those that you put in my path come, God, I want your love, your heart for them. And then it's a joy to serve. It's a get-to. It's no longer a, oh, no, do I? It's, I'm going to make a difference. I can do something. I can solve this. I can pray, but I can also be the pr- answer to someone's prayer. We pull over. We pull in. We say, okay, God, what is it that we can do? But let me just say, and before we leave today, I want to make sure that everybody in here, or if you're watching, that you know beyond a shadow of a doubt where you stand with God. Because to begin to fulfill that purpose, it starts with a relationship with him. You're not an accident. God knows you. He has a plan for you. The Bible says he knows the number of hairs on your head. Not just, he knows all of them. You pull one out, he's like, he knows which number that is. Some of you, it's a lower number. Some of you, it's pretty high. But he knows all of them. He has a plan and a purpose for you. But it begins with us surrendering our hearts to him, saying, God, I need you. I've screwed up enough. Forgive me, make me new. Fill me with your love. Fill me with your spirit. And begin to walk out the plan and purpose that God has for you. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? As we're about to leave, I want to make, I want to ask. Maybe you're here, maybe you're online. You say, today's the day. I want to make that decision. I want to give him my heart. My, I want to give him all that I am. If that's you, I'd love the honor of praying with you right in your seat. I'm going to ask you to lift your hand before me and God. You're going to lift it up, and then we're going to pray. When we say amen, you can know that you're forgiven, set free, on your way to heaven, and begin to walk out the plan, that purpose that God has for you. Maybe today you're here, you say, you know, I was living for God, but I turned my back on him, but today I give it back. And I'm just going to declare I'm his again. If you're either of those, I'd love the honor of praying with you. Right here or across the screen. If that's you, at the count three, I want you to lift your hand. And then we're going to pray. We say amen. You know right where you stand with your God and begin to walk out his plan and purpose for your life. Get ready. One, two, three. Right now, lift it up and say, that's me. Today is my day. I give him my heart. Awesome. Okay, hands down. Let's pray together in this room and online. Let's all pray together out loud. If you would, let's just pray with those that lifted their hands. Repeat after me. Say, Jesus, thank you for dying for me for shedding your blood so I could be free. From now on, I'm yours. Come rule and reign in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church.